Welcome to Hymology on the Gospel Radio Network, a program sponsored by the Mars Hill Church of Christ, located at 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. You may contact us by phone at 615-203-3637. If you would like more information about our congregation or this program, you may visit our website at www.marshillcoc.org. We invite you to join us every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. And now, here is your host, Brother Kyle Webb. Welcome again to Hymology. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I'm happy that you have joined us today. Our study of hymns brings us to a song that I've grown up with, as most of these songs are uh, songs that that come from uh, my past as well as yours. Uh, Maybe you've known them from the time that you were young, as I have. And this is one that that we have sung for uh, a long time as the life of a flower. As the Life of a Flower is a very upbeat song. However, uh, it does have the theme of death behind it. Uh, but as we look at the words, as we will do in a moment, we find that it's a very interesting song for that reason. But before we really look at the words and the music, we want to make sure to recognize the context of the song. We want to know the time period in which it is written and maybe why it was written. And so, as we look at the history of the song, we begin by looking at the words. The words themselves were written by Laura Emmeline Pixley Newell, who was born in New Marlboro, Massachusetts, on February the 5th, 1854, to Mr. and Mrs. Edward A. Pixley. As we survey her life, we find that she was orphaned as an infant and adopted by her aunt and her aunt's husband, who would be her uncle, Mr. and Mrs. Hiram Maybe. She lived for a time in New York, but moved in 1858 to Wamego, Kansas, where Mr. Maybe died just two years after Her adoptive mother was a school teacher, and from her, Laura received her education. Laura began writing rhymes as early as the age of 12, and by the age of 14, her poems began to appear in local newspapers. However, at this point, she was only writing for recreation, for fun. It wasn't something that uh, was a chore to her at all. It was just something that She enjoyed doing and did it well. And so some of those rhymes and poems that she wrote were published for that reason, even at an early age. Laura married a carpenter by the name of Lauren Newell in 1871, and they lived in Tabor Valley, Kansas. 
They had six children, one of whom died from an accidental fall. They belonged to a congregational church in Wabouncy, the Beecher's Bible and Rifle Church. She began writing hymns after hearing the address of a speaker lamenting the death of genuine hymns. And in 1904, she wrote the words, Has the life of a flower. The song was written shortly after her adoptive mother's death. We don't know much about the writer of the music, but we do know that, that the, the melody and the, the music to the song was all written by George Henry Ramsey, who was born in Erith County, Texas in 1858, to William and Bristiana Limley Ramsey. He married Clara Jane Whitaker, and he died in Lingleville, Texas in 1915, and that is the extent of what we know about him. This song was a little bit harder to to at least look at the history of because I didn't have a whole lot that involved the history of the song. As a matter of fact, in the books that I have been using, I couldn't find a single thing on As the Life of a Flower. Uh, but the information that I have found comes from a blog, a blog that you might be interested in. It is Him Studies Blog at hymnstudiesblog.wordpress.com. This blog was created by Robert Cottrell, who passed away in August of 2019. But I'm so thankful that we have his work recorded in this, in this form so that we can, can look back to it as well. And uh, it, it certainly gave me some guidance in preparing this lesson for you today. As we look at the song, As the Life of a Flower, again, it is one that I have grown up singing. This song is often used for funeral or celebration of life services. However, it is not restricted to such, and sometimes we may use it in our worship services as well. In my memory, from, from my personal memory, growing up, I I can remember going to, to many funerals in my preteen and teen years, and it seemed there for, for quite a while that every funeral that we had that involved singing in some way, the songs as the life of a flower and where the roses never fade were two of the most common that I can remember using and like I said, we sang them almost every funeral uh, that was associated at least with the congregation that I grew up in, the Science Hill congregation in Readable. Despite its connotation with death, it is one of the more lively songs commonly sung. And it's always something that, that has struck me as fascinating because it doesn't sound like a song about death. It, it doesn't have a, a slow tempo to it. It doesn't have a, a somber melody. As a matter of fact, it sounds very much alive. 
And even in the words, we find that that there is life in regard to even the theme of death. Let's look at the words of the song. As the life of a flower, as a breath or a sigh, so the years that we live as a dream hasten by. True, today we are here, but tomorrow may see just a grave in the veil and a memory of me. As the life of a flower be our lives, pure and sweet, may we brighten the way for the friends that we greet, and sweet incense arise from our hearts as we live close to him who doth teach us to love and forgive. While we tarry below, let us trust and adore him who leads us each day toward the radiant shore, where the sun never sets and the flowers never fade, where no sorrow or death may its borders invade. As the life of a flower has a breath or a sigh, so the years glide away, and alas, we must die. Again, while the the theme of the song is primarily on death, it's interesting to note that more of the song is devoted to life and how we are living it. Particularly, the second and the third stanzas are, are pretty well about life, more so than death. And only the first stanza and the chorus are directly related to the death of an individual. If we are looking for its biblical inspiration, it's hard for us to to really pinpoint exactly what inspires the song, except for knowing the words. Obviously, we can't speak to the author, but we can look at the words of the song. And as we compare them to scripture, I do think there are at least a couple of scriptures that could be inspiration for the song itself. One of those is 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and let's begin reading at verse 22. I want us to read into the first few verses of chapter 2 as well. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. This is from the New King James Version. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Verse 24 says, all flesh 
is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Man's life, it grows for a while, and eventually it does cease to exist. It does pass away. It doesn't last forever. As we can think of, of grass and how it it fades in, in seasons. You know, we have to cut the grass for a while, but eventually the winter comes and it does not continue to grow. And eventually it will die and it will come back. And the same way with flowers. Many times we see that the flowers will fade and eventually they will die. But they will sometimes come back as well, depending on what kind of flower and and where it is planted. But even as the flower of the grass may pass away, the word of the Lord endures forever in comparison. Let's look also at James chapter 4 and verse 13. Verses 13 through 17. James chapter 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Notice what is said in verse 14. For what is your life? It is even a vapor, almost like a a puff of smoke that, that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Life is much like it. And the older we get, the more we realize that that life seems to be flying, fleeting away. It seems to be much shorter than it was in our youth. As is the case with the song, though these passages speak of death, their primary concern is preparing for death by living a proper and godly life. Listen to some of the words that surround those that speak of death and and the passing of life. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. To him who knows to do good, 
and does not do it to him. It is sin. Sometimes our concern may be misplaced and focused on how we will die. And many will drive themselves to to being afraid of death in that way because we're so focused on that aspect of living that, that eventually it will come to an end and how will it come to an end and, and will I suffer or will I not? Our focus shouldn't be on how we will die. God desires that our focus be on how we are living for today. Even preparing his apostles, uh, Jesus taught them that same principle. Yes, every one of them was going to die. And all but one, I believe it was, uh, at least we know by tradition, that they all died in martyrdom. However, they were taught to live and they were taught to serve. And so we are taught in the same way to also live and to serve. More emphasis should be placed on the dash in our lives. I think of this poem often whenever I have a lesson such as this. It's a poem that we read sometimes in in funeral services. Um, and it's a good reminder to us not to pay too close attention to the dates on a tombstone, but to remember the dash in between. This poem is titled The Dash, and it is written by Linda Ellis and copyrighted 2020. The Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. To be less quick to anger and show appreciation more. And love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. We treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile. Remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you lived your dash? We often will focus on death or maybe even birth, but we need to focus more 
on the dash in our lives. Yes, it's important where we come from. And it certainly is important where we're going from a spiritual standpoint. But even more important is how we live life on earth. How we live our dash. I want to look at some verses that help us to uh, remember where our focus should be. And then we'll close the lesson and, and it will be yours. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It speaks of death, but it also speaks of life. And what we're talking about here in chapter 6 of Romans is spiritual death, putting to death the man that once was, burying him in the watery grave of baptism, dying to sin. And being raised to walk in the newness of life. As many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. But we don't remain dead. We are raised to live once again. And we bury that old man in baptism. But we are raised. To walk in the newness of life. To walk in the ways of Christ. Christ died that we might have life in him. And that is of the utmost importance to us. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. We are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We are to offer him our all rather than our pieces. Don't give him just a little bit here and a little bit there. God wants all of you in his service. And one more passage, Philippians chapter 4, Verses 8 and 9. Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. What things should we focus on? What things should we meditate on? Things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Those are the things that we should be focused on in life and making sure that we live in accordance with God's will. And I do hope that we are applying each of these to our lives in that manner. I thank you for being with me today, and I look forward to being with you again very soon in one way or another. But until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.